0: I've heard some people describe this as a form of child abuse. Do you see it that way? It is a form of child abuse.
1: Of course it's a form of child abuse. It's child abuse. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's one reason. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. To the left me to the right Here I am Stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara 93.7 in San Diego 99.5 in Ridgecrest in China Lake California Up in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast And Queso in Cottage Grove In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, oh, they're going to be voting there on Tuesday, I hope. Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast every day, five days a week, around the globe, on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk... Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Another stupidly busy, and really stupid is is the key word here, stupidly busy news day. Um, Over the weekend, former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, Preet Bharara, quipped on Twitter, quote, So Trump can unilaterally pardon anyone, absolutely pardon himself, impose his will on the Department of Justice, ban all Muslims, levy any tariff and start any war. But he cannot tell Attorney General Jeff Sessions, whom he slaps down daily, to ease up on separating infants from parents at the border. Okay, says Preet Bharara. Well, the biggest and loudest story, uh, perhaps justifiably over the past several days and still today, is the Trump administration's new zero-tolerance policy at the border, which has resulted in thousands of children being ripped away from their parents, sent to detention facilities all over the country as their parents are held to face criminal charges in what had previously been misdemeanor cases, civil cases. The Trump administration is getting a lot of heat, deservedly, over this inhumane and uh, heartless, heartbreaking policy. Yet they appear to still be doubling down, continuing to somehow blame Democrats, incredibly enough, for their own policy, even while drawing more and more fire from congressional Republicans who are worried about how all of this looks in the run-up to the crucial 2018 midterm elections. We talked on, uh, on Friday... On the Friday broadcast about the cruel effects of the Trump policy, uh, as well as the much overlooked other policy change last week by Jeff Sessions' Department of Justice regarding a new attempt to change some 30 years of um, immigration policy and case law when it comes to granting asylum to those who face domestic abuse and gang violence in their home countries, um, but today I want to focus more on the political aspect of all of this, this apparent showdown now between the Trump administration and kind of everybody else, uh, certainly congressional Democrats and increasingly now congressional Republicans. question is, who's going to blink here first on this policy with the lives of thousands of children and uh, families hanging in the balance and Republicans Planning on voting on um, at least two immigration bills in the U.S. House this week that could include a ban on what the Trump administration is doing, their new family separation policy. I hope to open the phones uh, for your thoughts on all of that in a little bit. Our phone number, if you want to get in line now, is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. If you'd like to get in line, uh, who's going to blink here first? Is, uh, can, can Trump really continue to make these claims and continue just the horrible uh, news that continues to come out? We just got uh, didn't have time to get put it together for today's show, but uh, some heartbreaking audio coming out from one of these detention centers of children crying and screaming. How long can this go on? So we'll get to that in a bit. But first, uh, yes, as I say, another busy news day, as they all are right now, as voters will be heading to the primary polls on Tuesday in Arkansas and Washington, D.C. Hey, if uh, don't forget to vote if you're from there, people. Yes, it matters. People in Fayetteville listening on KPSQ Tuesday is Election Day. Be sure to cast your vote. Uh, we have uh, two more rulings today. Concerning elections and voting rights. Uh, these come Monday from the U.S. Supreme Court. Last week, we told you in a partisan five to four split ruling, the Republicans stolen U.S. Supreme Court majority. In a ruling that we covered in some detail ruled that, yes, Ohio and other GOP-controlled states like it could begin the voter roll purging process against a voter if they missed just one single federal election. In Ohio, that practice has led to voters in uh, Democratic areas being purged from the rolls at twice the rate of those in Republican-leaning districts continuing to stack the odds against Democrats in elections. That, despite the very clear language of the National Voter Registration Act of 1993, specifically stating that a failure to vote shall not be cause for removing voters from the rolls. Nonetheless, the right-wingers on the Supreme Court, led by Justice Samuel Alito's opinion in that case um, for the stolen GOP majority, they didn't care. They didn't care what the National Voter Registration Act had to say. Later in the week, the court decided with a broader majority in a narrower, narrower ruling that uh, Minnesota's polling place dress code, barring political slogans like Tea Party T-shirts and buttons, that that law went too far. Minnesota's restrictions, they said, were too broad and violated constitutional free speech rights of voters, even inside the polling place. They didn't say that no restrictions could be placed on uh, such apparel in the polling place, but they cited other state laws like California's and Texas's as appropriate for barring specific messages applying to specific candidates rather than broader political ideas. A T-shirt with the Second Amendment printed on it, for example, that would be presumably fine. But a T-shirt calling to vote for or against a specific candidate based on their support or opposition to the Second Amendment would not be fine. That was last week. And now this week on Monday, the high court continues to release opinions in advance of its uh, summer recess beginning in July. Uh, The court has released their highly anticipated findings on two very closely watched cases, Regarding extreme partisan gerrymandering, one is Gil v. Whitford. That's a Wisconsin case where a three-judge federal district court had struck down the state's GOP-drawn legislative map for the state assembly, the entire map for the state assembly. That had been drawn after Republicans gained control of the state government back in 2010. The uh, the district court's decision was the first from a federal court in more than 30 years to reject a voting map as an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander. That Wisconsin map helped Republicans convert very close statewide elections into lopsided legislative majorities. For example, in 2012, Republicans won uh, about 48.5% of the statewide vote for assembly candidates. Nonetheless, they captured 60 of the assembly's 99 seats. That's that's a 60 to 39-seat advantage, even though they failed to win a majority of the votes uh, cast overall in 2014. They did get a bare majority, 52% of the vote, but they ended up with a wildly unbalanced 63 seats To the Democrats, 36 in the uh, state assembly. That's how extreme partisan gerrymandering works. And the Republicans at this point have perfected it following the 2010 census. The other case the Supremes ruled on on Monday comes out of Maryland, Benisek versus Lamone, where Republican voters argued that Democratic state lawmakers had redrawn. Um, A U.S. House district in order to retaliate against citizens who had supported its uh, longtime Republican incumbent, that would be Congressman Roscoe Bartlett. That retaliation, the plaintiff said, violated the First Amendment by diluting their voting power and resulting in Bartlett, uh, after having won his 2010 election by 28 points, actually losing his race in 2012 to a Democrat by a 21 point margin. So those were the two cases that the Supreme Court was uh, hearing. In both cases, the lower courts found that these uh, redistricting uh, schemes were unlawful or unconstitutional partisan gerrymanders that required new maps to be drawn. On Monday, however, the U.S. Supreme Court appears to have felt otherwise, sort of. Joining us to explain the court's two separate rulings today is our friend David Daly who literally wrote the book on GOP partisan gerrymandering. He's the author of a book whose title I cannot say on the air, so we just call it Rat Flipped, the true story behind the secret plan to steal America's democracy, detailing how Republicans before the 2010 election implemented a very well-funded and concerted effort at the state level to take over state, state legislatures, specifically In order to control redistricting after the 2010 census and then use that power to radically redraw U.S. House and state legislative seats, maps to allow computer drawn partisan gerrymanders to make it nearly impossible for Democrats to obtain majorities. David is the former editor-in-chief of Salon. He's now a senior fellow at FairVote.org, and uh, he waited overnight in the cold to be inside the courtroom during the Supreme Court's oral uh, arguments on both of these cases earlier this year and late last year, after which he joined us on the broadcast to share his observations. So we are very happy to have him back now that the court has finally issued its ruling. Dave Daly, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi, Brad. Good to be back, as always. Good to have you here. All right, before we get into the specific, what's the big picture here on these two court rulings today? Uh, it looks like the court has, uh, I guess surprisingly, punted in uh, in both of these cases.
2: Yeah, I think um, the big takeaway here is really that the uh, court ducked. They had an opportunity in front of them in both of these cases, a really clear opportunity, I think. And that's what's so frustrating and sad about today um, is that both of these cases were fairly crystal clear as far as what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you laid out Wisconsin really well. You know, 2012, Democrats get 174,000 more votes. Republicans take 60 of the 99 seats. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Maryland, you had um, a district district in which more people were shuffled in and out of it than any other district in the country in the 2011 the redistricting process you had a democratic gerrymander in maryland you had the republican gerrymander in wisconsin mm-hmm. it seemed like it was lining up that if the courts had wanted to step in here they They could say it was bipartisan, they had a First Amendment challenge, they had a 14th Amendment challenge, and they had a buffet of statistical standards and evidence that all pointed in the same direction and that revealed exactly what had happened here. And
1: instead, they ducked. Well, what did that, what happened here? In uh, let's start with Wisconsin. You got Gilvie Whitford. They had tossed out federal court tossed out the entire state legislative map for the uh, uh, Wisconsin State Assembly. Uh, on what basis did the court find to? Uh, how is it that they came up with a reason to not rule one way or another here? What have they uh, ordered shall happen from here?
2: Well, the ruling in Wisconsin is that the. Democratic voters who brought the lawsuit lacked standing to do so. So essentially that means that they could not prove direct injury to themselves or that their votes had been diluted within their individual districts. So as a result, they could not challenge a statewide map. They still had the opportunity to vote for their representative and Mm -hmm. to elect their representative, but they were challenging a statewide map and not their individual district map. Um, so the court sent it back to the lower court, um, which was a federal court. A three-judge panel ruled on this case
3: mm-hmm.
2: a year or so ago to be reargued, um, and essentially invited them to, you know, bring on more plaintiffs or to bring on other, you know, statewide associations, perhaps like a political party, on board. Um, and to go ahead and re-argue that case.
1: Is the suggestion that there that they're going to have to literally, in Wisconsin, argue district by district, find plaintiffs in each district uh, to specifically argue why that specific district is a partisan gerrymander?
2: I think that is what they are going to have to do. Yes, it's completely ridiculous, right? Because the idea that your Vote. The idea that your vote is not diluted mm-hmm. because you are able to cast a ballot in a gerrymandered district misses the entire point of what these gerrymanders do. What these gerrymanders do is they sort voters by political purposes in order to make it possible for one party to entrench themselves in power for a decade. It is a state. The the very act of gerrymandering a statewide map is statewide. Mm-hmm. It's made up of all of these districts, but all of them are are pieces of a puzzle, right? Right. Um, so to say that um, simply because you are allowed to vote in one of those districts and your vote still matters in that district does not mean that you are able to actually translate your vote into political power in the state capital um, or that you have the ability to call back those legislators if they embark on a political course you disagree
1: with, and we saw that uh, very specifically in the other case, certainly in Maryland, where there was just one uh, U.S. House district in question, and where the Democrats actually admitted they uh, redrew this U.S. House district for partisan advantage. Am I am I correct that they didn't try to hide from that uh, in the Maryland case?
2: They did not. The depositions in that case are are very clear. The the Democrats and the emails. They talked about going after an eight zero map in that state when they realized they couldn't do that um without putting a couple of incumbents at risk. Mm-hmm. They decided to draw a safe seven one map okay. and if you take a look at those districts in Maryland, they snake all over the state okay. um it's one of those it's one of those times when you can simply look at a map and, and say, "Okay, um, you know something is."
1: Is wrong here. Um, and yet they didn't, they struck that one down too. The Supreme Court did, or at least punted it back. On, on what basis? Why wasn't that one accepted? You would think the Republicans on the court would say, uh, take the opportunity to say, uh, yeah, we, we don't like what the Democrats admitted doing here.
2: Well, what the court said in that case was a little bit different. The court was being asked to um, force a new map to be drawn right now and to grant immediate relief in that case. Mm-hmm. the court declined to do so and instead sent it back down to the uh, the lower court to be uh, reargued and for that case to continue the problem is by punting the clock is going to run out
4: mm-hmm.
2: on the on this entire cycle uh, these maps are in place for 10 years they are adopted after the census in the zero year so these uh, 2011 maps are going to be around until after the 2020 election, um, these decisions today essentially mean that the 2018 election is going to be run on unconstitutional maps, on maps that uh, courts have declared unconstitutional yep. um, in North Carolina, in Wisconsin, that uh, these Maryland uh, voters are still not going to have um, you know an opportunity to, to, to elect a congressional delegation that actually uh, reflects the... Uh, partisan breakdown of the state, um, and that this is, the Republicans have essentially been able to run out the clock to steal in some ways the entire decade um, of power, especially in state legislatures around the country, and it's going to set up a a 2020 process, um, unless if somehow the court does something um, before then, that is an even greater partisan free-for-all Than it even
1: was last time. And it looks like they're going to have another opportunity, whether they take it or not, I don't know, another opportunity, at least before the 2010 census in North Carolina, where you have a federal court uh, for the first time has found the entire North Carolina U.S. House map to be an unlawful. Uh, partisan gerrymander. They've ordered U.S. House maps, new U.S. House maps for the entire state. That case, uh, I guess, did not come in time to be heard by the Supreme Court this uh, this past term. So uh, but they did put it on hold until, I guess, next term for a ruling uh, next year, I guess next June at this point at the earliest. So that means, yeah, as you say, they've they're, they're able, even if this goes the right way uh, next year, they will have gotten away with almost an entire decade stealing uh, various uh, U.S. House and uh, state legislative seats. Doesn't it underscore the fact that we have a real problem here if they can get away with this scam, if they can do something 10 years ago and basically election after election after election get away with it?
2: We have a serious problem and it is only getting worse. The kind of technology and partisan tent that um, made this possible in 2010 and 2011 has only intensified. Um, when map makers sit down in 2021 after this census, which, as we know and as you've covered so well, is also fraught with you know, so many different political problems, mm-hmm. um, they are going to have more data, better technology, and they will be able to draw even more surgically precise maps. And that uh, litigation will presumably begin (laughs) right after 2022, and it will probably run until 2029, um, and another decade will be lost. The court had a moment here when it had the opportunity to stand up for democracy and for fairness and the idea that every vote counts. Uh, Justice Kennedy laid out a standard 14 years ago in the V case out of Pennsylvania the last time this came mm-hmm. before the court, and the, the lawyers in the Maryland and Wisconsin case followed his roadmap precisely, and Kennedy today still has not seen enough to actually do something. Um, and it is to all of our detriment, as we head toward 2018 and 2020, um, fair maps and votes counting should not be a partisan issue. It should be a basic issue of small-D democratic rights. And we are getting farther and farther away from that. And... It's going to be
5: very
1: ugly. And it's uh, even more of a concern because Kennedy, uh, as you said, Dave Daly, uh, considered to be the swing vote on this case, suggested a couple of years ago he might be able to finally uh, go on record and uh, uh, bar partisan gerrymanders. In the past, we've had racial gerrymanders. Those have been found to be unconstitutional, but the Supreme Court has never barred uh, uh, partisan gerrymanders specifically yet. And uh, Justice Kennedy may not be on the court. That swing vote, he may not even be on the court by the time this gets heard again, if it gets heard again uh, next year with the North Carolina case, and if these other two move uh, back up to the Supreme Court by then. Uh, David, the Uh, I guess if we uh, try to close here on a sort of positive note, the big concern (laughs) was that the court might rule that it should be left up to legislators to sort this out, that the federal government, the Supreme Court has uh, no say here. We should leave it to legislators to fix this problem, this problem that legislators caused in the first place. Uh, At least that didn't happen on Monday in either of these cases. So if there's any good news here, if we can find any, uh, is is it good news that the door at least is still open uh, to uh, these uh, challenges uh, for now in in the future?
2: Yes, I think if you're looking for silver linings here, there are a couple. One is that the court did not go all the way and say that these claims are Mm non-justiciable, which was a... legitimate fear, uh, considering that in the Veith case back in the 2000s, you did have four conservative justices that were ready to go ahead and say, this is not a question that the court is going to decide. It's a legislative function. And as you said, absolutely, it's a legislative function that allows the legislature to entrench itself. Um, So it it can't be handled through the normal political process. This is why we need the courts to step in as a co-equal a branch of government, and bring fairness. The other a silver lining would be Elena Kagan's concurrence in this case, which the three other liberal justices assigned on to. And Kagan attempts to provide a roadmap here for the very statewide standing claims um, that the that court believed that these specific Wisconsin citizens lacked. So she is telling them hey, if you guys do this, you've got a really good case, and I don't think it would be that hard. The trouble, as you say, is you've got to have five justices for this. Um, And Kennedy, for 15 years, has been sort of the inscrutable hamlet on this. He's been looking for a standard, but he hasn't found anything he likes yet. And the only thing worse than an indecisive hamlet is an indecisive hamlet who decides to retire and is replaced by donald trump um and then that could be the fifth vote for non-disability um hey david
1: we were yeah. yeah Go ahead.
2: Even the, the silver lining has got a
1: little bit of a storm cloud to it. So. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. We were supposed to end with an upbeat I'm thought trying, there, David. I'm trying, I'm trying. You have ruined it again. Well done, David Daly. Uh, check out his book, uh, which is we call Rat Flipped. That's not the actual name, but it's close. Rat Flipped, the true story behind the secret plan to steal America's democracy. If you want to know how we got into this soup in the first place, uh, you can also follow David's work on the Twitters at Dave Daily 3 That's the number three. And, of course, over at FairVote.org. Oh, brother. Uh, David, always great talking to you, my friend. Uh, thanks for joining us once again today. Thank you for letting me work out my frustrations. (laughs) Keep it up. All right. uh, We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back with uh, this. uh, Speaking of frustrations, this continuing horrible story of parents separated from their children, children stored in warehouses, detention centers, prisons, concentration camps, whatever you'd like to call them, The uh, Trump administration doubling down, blaming the Democrats for it, saying it's their fault and uh, claiming he's not going to change that policy. The head of his uh, Department of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, said the same thing today, continued to blame Democrats. They are all playing along. How long can this last? Uh, even uh, Republicans in Congress are now saying, we got a problem here, uh, but uh, who's going to blink first? Our phone number is 818-985-5735 if you'd like to ring in on this uh, disastrous and worsening situation. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman. We'll take a quick break, and we're back with that and more. This is your broadcast. Bradcast. <laughs> making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back. To the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We'll take your calls in a minute at 818-985-5735 on, uh, well, if you want to talk about the Supreme Court uh, rulings on Monday concerning partisan gerrymanders. But uh, we'll uh, be taking your calls on this uh, horrific... the separation of children and families at the border 818-985-5735 as the trump administration doubles down blaming democrats how long is this going to go on who's going to blink first republican lawmakers laura bush the former first lady the right wing tabloid the new york post and uh, and even a one time president uh, advisor to uh, donald trump Anthony Scaramucci have all now joined Democrats in condemning the administration's practice of separating children from their parents when they're apprehended at the southern border with Mexico. Nearly 2000 children were removed from their parents and ripped away in just one recent six week period since the administration announced their new zero tolerance policy this uh, this spring. Donald Trump, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the rest of the administration has stuck to their false argument that they are merely enforcing the laws implemented by Democrats. They have no choice. That, of course, is simply untrue. They have chosen to do this, evidence the fact that um, it did not start happening at this alarming rate until their uh, change in policy in April. The choice to prosecute those crossing the borders uh, unlawfully and at times, by the way, lawfully when presenting themselves to border officials to claim asylum. Uh, The choice to prosecute that as a criminal felony matter rather than a civil matter or a misdemeanor. That's a choice that the administration has has made in order to, yes, rip children from their parents, send them off to detention centers around the country. And use that supposedly as a deterrent, uh, sending a message to others to don't do the same thing. That doesn't appear to be working. Um, They have stated that they're punishing these children and parents alike, uh, which which some have equated with torture uh, as a deterrent. Um, But it does seem to be blowing back now against uh, the Trump administration and his fellow Republicans, at least among the public at large, if not... Republicans, where a uh, CNN poll out just before air here says that uh, a majority of Republicans, I think 67 uh, percent, support this policy incredibly enough. Um, nonetheless, before the horrendous fallout of, of uh, this new policy uh, began to come to light in recent days, there was a bit of a rebellion by so-called moderate Republicans in the U.S. House. They were able to force a promise from Uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan to allow uh, two votes uh, in the U.S. House on uh, immigration bills originally meant to restore protection from uh, deportation to DACA kids, those dreamers who were brought to this country by their parents years ago through no fault of their own. They had been protected uh, from deportation by Obama's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program until Donald Trump revoked that policy last year. Again, choosing to place hundreds of thousands of kids who grew up here in the U.S., many of which who have only known this country um, and no other for pretty much all of their lives, putting them into uh, the imminent risk of deportation. So these so-called moderate Republicans, they were worried that uh, DACA and the lifting of the DACA protections would blow back against them this November, so they forced Ryan essentially to allow a vote on a bill to fix it. But now, however, the Trump administration is demanding that any such bill include funding for a border wall, an end to the diversity visa lottery program, the family unification program for immigrants. And Democrats have said they're not going to vote for that bill uh, because it includes all of that other stuff, which means then that Democrats... As I'm sure the Trump administration will begin painting it, or continue painting it, they'll say that, "Oh, look, Democrats could have protected DACA kids. They voted against it. They could have stopped this parent-child separation that could be now included in one of these bills. But now the Democrats are voting against it. If that vote, uh, you know, happens, Trump is certainly going to use the failure by the Democrats, uh, you know, to in voting against." A fix for DACA and against stopping these uh, separations, he's going to blame them, all of which he is coming under fire, withering fire for right now, even from his his own wife, Melania, reportedly, and former First Lady Laura Bush. So who's going to blink here first? How far does this go? And how many uh, kids are going to be affected by it? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let me get to uh, some of your calls on this. Mike in L.A. Welcome to the broadcast, Mike.
5: Hi, Brad. Uh, I just wanted to say something about Trump's motivation politically in doing all this. And one is that there's a sizable, reliable minority of the voting public who get a major share of their self-worth from hatred of others, Mm. And they're particularly pleased by cruelty being imposed on the helpless. For instance, contestants being fired on The Apprentice or prisoners getting a thumbs down from the emperor in the Roman Colosseum two millennia ago. Now, Trump's instinct is to appeal to that base, and that served him well before now. However, not being quite normal, he, he fi- uh, failed to realize that... Uh, Having children torn apart by ravenous animals was too cruel even for the Romans.
1: And I don't know if he failed or not in that regard, Mike. Like I said, CNN has a new poll out showing that, uh, what is it, it's actually 63%, no, I'm sorry, 67% of Republicans say that this cruel policy should continue, and if the only thing that Donald Trump gives a damn about uh, are Republicans, which is what you know sort of the way he's governed over the past year, then maybe this doesn't matter. the fact that yes, two-thirds of Americans overall disapprove of it.
5: I'd be curious to know when that polling was done.
1: This is just the past few days. This just came out. There's a poll that just came out uh, today. I think it was the past uh, four uh, four or five days. Uh, so a lot of what we're seeing, those pictures and these sounds now may not have yet come out but that this was a recent poll yeah
5: well i think give it a little time and as more and more is known about what's happened to these kids yeah. i mean 2 year olds torn apart from i mean having already gone through all that horrendous trauma that they go through just getting here
1: yeah. and then being
5: torn apart from your mother i mean is there anyone that's human that doesn't have some sort of negative reaction to this
1: unfortunately it seems there are <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I hope you're right about this one eventually, Mike. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Yeah, I mean, uh, kids who have this uh, report from the AP, uh, uh, you know, uh, over the weekend, uh, reporters were able to see some more of these facilities uh, where hundreds of children are are waiting in an old warehouse in South Texas in a series of cages created by metal fencing. One cage had 20 children inside uh, with bottles of water and bags of chips uh, scattered about. One teenager told an advocate who visited that she was helping care for a young child who she did not even know. Um, because uh, she, she had to show others in her cell how to change this girl's diaper. They all thought that she was two years old. Turns out they eventually found out that she was four years old. And this is after the U.S. Border Patrol has been saying, oh, we don't separate kids who are less than five years old. That apparently is not true. They also say they don't uh, separate um uh, kids who are who come with their parents, uh, with the parents uh, turning themselves over at the border, asking for asylum, that appears to not be true as well. I know it's shocking to hear that the Trump administration is lying to us, but that does appear to be the case. And um, how bad is this going to get before something happens? Before someone? You know, Donald Trump does not usually, does not ever say he was wrong. He does not ever relent. Will he relent here? 818-985-5735. Will Republicans force him to do so? 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to uh, Bill in Santa Monica. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad.
5: I have two points. Uh, First, when Trump builds those tent cities, If he needs any way to transport the kids, I'm sure the Germans would give him a good deal on some trains Mm. with some empty boxcars that they used about 70 years ago. Mm. Uh, The other thing is, uh, conservatives get so bent out of shape when you compare Trump to Hitler. Well, nobody yet is comparing him to 1941 Hitler. But as far as 1931 Hitler, Trump compares very well. In fact, I think he's a little ahead of him. Mm. The only two differences, in my mind, being that Hitler wrote his own damn book, and he didn't draft a draft. (laughs) But um, if you know your history and you compare the two men, they compare very favorably at that time in Hitler's reign. And Trump
1: is the same. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate that call. Uh, 818-985-5735. Let's go to Tracy in L.A. Hey, Tracy. Welcome to the broadcast.
4: Hi. Hi. Oh, this is horrible. I mean, anybody who has researched or understands uh, child development and attachment theory, it really is torture to, to tear the child from their parent at, at certain ages. It's torture. Um, and and it, it, it creates huge damage long-term damage to children to go through such a trauma. Um, so I, it's hard for me to believe that there isn't some international humanitarian protection that is uh, in the wings ready to step in and, and help put an end to this. And then my second thing I wanted to say is to follow the money. I mean, these, these parents and the children... Aren't they being sent to centers that are uh, private, uh, where,
1: where there's a profit? Yep. These are for-profit situations. Well, they're, they're in in theory uh, the the biggest group that uh, manages these detention centers. In theory, they're a, a nonprofit organization, the Southwest Keys Program. But uh, they've been paid something like eight hundred million dollars for the work that they're doing. So they're nonprofit groups, but someone's making a whole the hell of a lot of money.
4: Well, yeah, and then and then it, out the other side of their mouth, they complain about how much money is spent on services for immigrants. It's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. This is ridiculous. There is no logic here. No logic whatsoever.
1: These guys do not require logic. Uh, Tracy, I thank you uh, very much for your thoughts. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five is our phone number. As far as international bodies go, the uh, United Nations Human Rights Chief, uh, is demanding that the Trump administration stop forcibly separating migrant children from their parents. Calls the recently imposed policy unconscionable and, yes, abuse. That's from uh, Zayed Rad, uh, Rayad Al Hussein. He spoke Monday to a regular session of the U.N. Human Rights Council in Geneva. Uh, He publicly rebuked the U.S., and that is notable because the U.S. has historically had a relatively strong rights record with the U.N. But this was also the latest example of international angst over President Donald Trump's actions. Angst, however, does not uh, necessarily translate into changing those actions, unfortunately. Al-Hussein's rebuke, of the U.S. um, included uh, him saying, I am deeply concerned by recently adopted policies which punish children for their parents' actions. The thought that any state would seek to deter parents by inflicting such abuse on children is unconscionable. He cited American pediatric experts uh, describing the U.S. policy as, quote, government-sanctioned child abuse, which may cause, quote, irreparable harm, as uh, as Tracy said there. That's from the U.N. Human Rights Chief. Whether they are able to do anything about it, that's a different question. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, let's take another quick call here before we go to a break. Uh, Ophelia in Lake Arrowhead. Hey, Ophelia, welcome to the broadcast. I love Lake Arrowhead. Wish I was there now.
3: Oh, it's lovely, uh, but I wanted to ask the question, uh, if it's about crime and a bunch of rapists coming from Mexico into America, then what about the victims of the rapists, the women and the children? Why are they not allowed? They're not criminals. Right. If no, If nobody's allowed who is a criminal, and nobody is allowed, who isn't a criminal, effectively, it's a war on people whose skin color is like mine, brown. And I also want to add that i lost track in, de- in following my ancestry. My people have been here, and I am half European as I am Mexican. Therefore, being half indigenous people and half Spaniard uh, in the creation of my people, I want to say that in tracing my ancestry, I could not find a point in time when we were not here, mm. in this side of the border. Yeah. My people have always been here. We didn't get killed or uh, pushed back. Uh, I mean, a lot of us did, but some of us stayed and became Americans, and we were among them.
1: Uh yeah. So. Uh, yeah, no, all all good points, uh Ophelia, and much appreciated. And yes, of course and it's I'm not about It's
3: sure it's a war on the poor and a war on the people who uh look like my son who has white skin and blue eyes, along with my uncles who speak Spanish backwards and forwards a million miles an hour as well as English.
1: Well, it's certainly not about as you said uh criminals and rapists. If it was, uh as I noted uh we talked about on Friday's show, uh the um Uh, On this show, we had uh, Karen Musalo. She's the uh, longtime immigration attorney uh, with the uh, Center for Gender and Refugee Studies at UC Hastings College of Law. She talked about the asylum issue because this is and it's not even getting, you know, this uh, parents children separation is getting a, a lot of attention as it should. But that means a lot of people don't notice that Jeff Sessions tried unilaterally. Uh, last Monday, to say we are no longer going to be accepting people who are fleeing from rape and abuse and violence when they come here and they show up lawfully and legally and present themselves at the border and ask for asylum. Karen Musala represents the El Salvadoran uh, woman who was abused by her husband, threatened with death. She was granted asylum here uh, until Jeff Sessions on Monday said we're not doing that anymore. I'm reject he overturned the uh, the immigration uh, board of appeals, a 15-person board by himself and said no, we're not doing that and we're changing the policy entirely. Um, if you haven't if you missed a Friday's broadcast, stop by bradblog.com and download it because uh, Karen Musalo is fantastic on this She represents that woman And uh, she tells us what's actually going on And the fact that, you know what? Jeff Sessions can't actually do What he is announcing he's doing In announcing that we will no longer accept uh, uh, Asylum claims based on domestic violence and, uh, and gang violence No, he can't do that So you can download it at bradblog.com uh, And listen to my interview with Karen Musalo Uh, Let me take a quick break, and we'll come back with uh, uh, as many of you as we can. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. The fun continues here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
4: And thanks.
1: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com taking your calls. Uh, who's going to blink first? How is this going to end? How bad is this going to get? Is Donald Trump uh, going to continue to double down and blame Democrats for his own policy, even as we get more and more and more stories of thousands and thousands of children ripped ripped from their parents' arms? Maybe he will. Maybe he doesn't care. Uh, the uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, uh, Secretary Kirsten Nielsen said on Monday that the Trump does not uh, Trump administration does not apologize for quote doing their jobs. She said we are also asking Congress to allow us to keep families together while they are detained. But in fact, that's a false premise. She's lying. This is uh, the Trump administration choosing to do this based on their own zero tolerance immigration policy. 818 985 5735 is our phone number. Uh, Denise in Long Beach. Hey, Denise, welcome to the broadcast.
0: Hi, how are you? I'm okay. I I just had a uh, statement to make. You know, in the words of Childish Gambino, this is America. 200 years ago, you don't have to go to Romans, African American children were ripped from their um, their people's um, yep. arms um, and put out to, uh, uh, you know, slavery. So, and there's post-traumatic slave syndrome going on even now mm. as we continue to get shot. So, you know, let's not go back to Caligula and Roman. Rome. This is America. 200 years ago this happened. And for 400 years. So this is who we are, unfortunately. So, and because we're not stopping it. Nobody's in the streets. Nobody's walking around with their hair on fire. Nobody's doing like they did in the civil rights uh, era and and really making us think about it. Because Mm. it's those people, those poor people, those people of color. That's that's who we are. We're we're seeing it. It's nasty. He's an ugly face. But it's been going on for a long time. And that's all I have to say. 200 years ago, doing the same thing.
1: I appreciate it, Denise. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, Of course, I'd like to think we were at least moving in the right direction. Too slowly, but at least in the right direction. Now we seem to be moving back. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, Jan in Northridge, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind?
4: Hi. To add to what she just said, we've been messing around in Central America for decades, uh, toppling their (laughs) democratically elected presidents. We've trained their soldiers at our School of the Americas to torture their people and now we've got our drug war going. So we've created hell for them. We have. We, we have no right to do this to these people. And if our Congress, including the Democrats, they should be making such a stink in Congress that they will not take care of any other business, maybe we all have to get in the streets.
1: That would be nice. Thanks, uh, Jan. I appreciate that uh, thought. And you're absolutely right. And, you know, Democrats, they I guess they're trying to make a stink. But you know what? The media doesn't care when Democrats make a stink. Uh, Donald Trump certainly doesn't care when Democrats make a stink. Um, House GOPers, however, if they make a stink, maybe everyone will pay attention to that at least. House Republicans, uh, according to Axios on Monday... Uh, now being faced with a growing public outcry over the separations of migrant families at the border, they plan. They say they plan to confront President Donald Trump about changing that policy at a meeting on Tuesday. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Trump will be a special guest at special House Republican a special House Republican meeting on Tuesday evening, when GOP lawmakers reportedly plan to use his sensitivity to disturbing photos and negative media spin in order to circumvent. Attorney General Jeff Sessions' zero-tolerance immigration policy. Nonetheless, according to Axios, Trump views family separation as a bargaining chip, and he's disinclined to roll back the policy without securing some sort of concession, like his border wall in return. Man, he's really good at negotiating on this stuff. When it comes to North Korea and nuclear weapons, take whatever you want, Uh, Kim Jong-un. Uh, concessions? We don't need to give any concessions. Uh, we're not going to ask for anything. You just just tell us what you want and we'll declare victory and leave. That's what Donald Trump did. On this, however, when it's our own country, when it's families being separated, when it's children being separated from their parents, oh, that well, we'll consider doing away with it maybe if we get some kind of concessions on other things. Are you kidding me? <sighs> Republican uh, sources told Axios that the story's legs and emotional heft are making it a cudgel they fear will hammer GOP candidates during the midterms. They also feel that fear that the party line, that the policy is Democrats, uh, the Democratic Party's fault and responsibility to change, is too unbelievable to hide behind as Republicans control all of Congress and the White House. So if this was a Democratic policy, Republicans could just change it tomorrow. 818-985-5735. But they're not. They're not changing it. Jorge in L.A., welcome to the broadcast, sir.
6: Hello, Brian. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick point for those people that are listening. Uh, This is basically the U.S. government trying to increase everybody's blood, to boil over, to kind of do something. But in reality, you have to remember that these children belong to a country already. These children belong to wherever they came from. So as much as America wants to get involved, it's these countries that need to step up and say, give us back our children. These children belong to us. And keep, keep that uh, out of Trump's hands, basically.
1: So you're saying that even in a country, as I said, I talked with uh, Karen Musalo last week, even in a country where uh, she has where this this uh, woman in El Salvador had been uh, threat, had been had been raped, had been beaten, had been emotionally abused. She went to the courts. She got a restraining order. The courts told her that she had to deliver that to her husband uh, on her own. And her husband's brother, I think it was, was a uh, was a cop. Uh, and had informed her that she might die. You're saying that's not our problem. She should just go back to El Salvador and deal with it on her own. It's her own government's uh, fault in that case. Is that what you're saying?
6: Not at all. What I'm saying is that, just like the previous caller said before me, is that uh, America did get involved with El Salvador and all these countries in Central America. And mm-hmm. basically, we've bankrupt them. We've destroyed their Uh, democracy. And now everybody's fleeing. But reality is, is that those countries, those countries need to step up and not deal with America the same way that America has dealt with them. Okay,
1: fair enough, Jorge. But let me let me just be clear. You're not saying they should be turned away, separated from their uh, parents, the kids separated from their parents at the border, uh, the way Uh, the Trump administration is is now doing, right?
6: You know what? I I absolutely agree with you. That shouldn't happen. As a matter of fact, I don't believe Trump is the original president. Uh, The fact of the matter is is that nobody's agreed that he's the United States president. He's slicked his way into there.
1: Well, I I think, unfortunately, uh, we have agreed that he's the president, whether he deserved to be, whether he actually got the votes in order to be. That's a separate question that I talk about a lot on the broadcast. But the fact is, he is the president now. And, uh, it's interesting. Yeah.
6: You, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. it's interesting you say that. But when this man that we call the president swears on the Bible that he doesn't believe in and rest of America does believe in, then we have an issue in regards to him being the leader of America. Because, to be honest with you, though, his actions do not demonstrate that he is what we are. But. <sighs> He's definitely representing us Will. on a global stage when we haven't really given him that power to do that.
1: Well, I'm afraid we have given him that power. Now I'd like to see it taken away. Thanks, Jorge. I do appreciate your uh, your thoughts there. Uh, let me see if I can fit in one or two more. Barbara in uh, North Hollywood. Hey, Barbara, welcome to the broadcast.
7: Oh, Hi, Brad. Uh, thank you for your program. And I have a suggestion that these kids that are in school – that probably can barely do their studies they're so nervous about the whole situation there should be some kind of counseling for them on this particular issue in the schools have, have you heard anything is there any anything like that for these children who are just distraught i know of families where the kids are just beginning to function really um uh,
1: I guess I actually don't. I don't think I understand your question, Barbara. They're not in schools. I mean, they're in detention centers. They're in.
7: No, but I know I'm yeah. talking about the kids who are in um, in going to school who are nervous about their families oh, I being split up. I don't mean this specifically what we're talking about. Yeah. As far as kids being taken away from their parents at the borders, but there are kids in um, in uh, Los Angeles, for yeah. example, who are. Very distraught over this whole situation. They should get counseling in through the school system or, yeah. or some way.
1: Thanks, Barbara. Yeah, I appreciate uh, the thought there. I got to get out here. I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm hoping that there is counseling uh, for those kids. The, the trauma that's going on right now in uh, immigrant neighborhoods. Uh, lawful immigrant neighborhoods, uh, you know, where people are just watching family members, friends, neighborhoods being uh, neighbors being snatched off the streets. I can't imagine what it's like right now. This is a local fight. Everyone needs to hit the streets. Everyone needs to hit the voting booths. Please. My thanks to our producer Desi Doyen, to our sound operator D'Angelo Jones, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. My thanks also to my guest today, Dave Daly of Fair Vote. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at Bradblog.com. Drop me email; I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com, and on the Facebooks and the internets, I am the Brad Blog. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.